0: Hi, friends. I'm Chandra Sanchez. And I'm Misha Lazera. And you're listening to Bandwives. Hi, misha hi chandra how are you i'm very good i ordered a vacuum this morning and so i'm really riding high off that little serotonin hit i am um, did you do
1: the thing that adam does where you looked up every kind of vacuum i've ever reveal. made yeah
0: okay mm-hmm.
1: yeah How'd and then the one
0: that i really wanted was a hundred dollars off so i was like oh yeah which, what is it? I mean, this isn't an ad, but it certainly could be. <laughs> it's like one of the Tineco ones that are wireless. I wanted a wireless. I wanted it to have good battery life. Uh, I wanted an attachment so I could like dust the molding. And I didn't want to spend, you know, $2,000 on a like a meal. Is it a meal? Miel? I don't know. The German one that everybody loves. It's like $1,500. No, thank you. Oh, and I wanted like a HEPA. because during the allergy seasons. It yeah. just like gets wild in here. So I'm planning ahead.
1: You are in such a zone, and I'm really impressed and inspired.
0: (laughs) I like to just go completely off the grid and just live lawlessly for a while and then rein it in. I'm also purging. I'm doing a lot of purging over here. Same with us.
1: We have two huge donate boxes at the moment because we did redid the boys' room, and so we're not putting everything back in. We're kind of slowly letting things go, slowly putting things in their place, and Adam and I are doing that we share a closet and it's not very big. So, Which at first we were like, oh, that's a bummer. But now I'm kind of like too many clothes I don't wear Mm -hmm. anyway. And I love
0: the subscription clothes service because it's so fun. And so, yeah, I love to get rid of things, clothes and things like that, but tchotchkes or like antiques or knickknacks, I will hang on to forever, especially if they're sentimental, forget it. But I, I'm just like drowning in them. And so I'm getting rid of some things like that, which is harder for me, but if it's making my house feel not clean I want it out yes I am that way with books mm-hmm. so
1: they have a lot less bookshelves because their rooms were you just the room is just bookshelves everywhere mm-hmm. and they had everything you know all the kids classics and all you know these see whole full series that they've already read or don't ever plan on reading you know all these kinds of things and it's really hard for me to get rid of books not something I'm comfortable with but there have been there's a little sack, you know, of, of like books. So there's this series, this cat warrior series. That's amazing. But we're past that. Ace is not interested. Keaton read them all. So things yeah. like that.
0: It's very hard. It is. It's just,
1: I'm. it's freeing though. It and is. it's. I'm just like in that phase with you, must be Virgo season,
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> organizing and categorizing. And I just have got to get rid of so much stuff, so much more. And I know I'm not being brutal enough.
0: No. And I also have a really bad habit of getting rid of things and then buying new things. Um, but last night was the first night I went and I was like, you know what? I've worked really hard the last couple of weeks getting my life together. I'm going to take a bath. I ordered one of the books that Jeff recommended. It came overnight. I get in the bathtub. I'm so excited. I have candles. I have a wine. I have a water. And I immediately dropped the book in the tub. <laughs> <No>. <laughs>
1: what one was it what book
0: architecture of happiness I
1: ordered that too oh. that one sounded dreamy to me so we I should know. talk about it next time
0: I love the sure. cover I'm trying to dry it out it seems pretty hearty uh and it was like it a millisecond it was uh, the whole thing just went under uh, like a stone oh um I know I just that's what you get for trying to take care of yourself oh man I hope you still enjoyed your bath I did I did oh, good Uh, And I also want to talk about the thing I sent you this morning about the woman who is going to grave sites where on the gravestone is a recipe written. She's making the recipe and then she's taking it back to the grave site and sitting and having a snack with the deceased. Like our interview with Jeff has me thinking about all of these little niches and rabbit holes in the world that you can deep dive into. And I think that's what I've been missing the last few months is like a weird interest I have never seen a recipe on a gravestone so I didn't
1: even it never occurred to me and I just think that's so beautiful and what an interesting hobby and I think it's probably really energetically meaningful good good energy
0: and you would imagine the recipes would have to be good because <laughs> the best
1: <laughs> they would have to be the best at that there is, they have really perfected that. They were yeah. known for it, right? What else would Yeah, yeah. it would be
0: very disappointing to have like boxed mac and cheese. But... Unless someone loved it. A hot dog. So yeah, I guess, yeah. I want her to like have a picture book so we
1: can see some of these recipes.
0: She apparently has a TikTok, which I don't mess okay. with, but like tremendous amount of followers who are just watching her journey. I have a lot of questions about where she gets, how does she source these? I guess maybe people will... Send mm-hmm. her ones that they know of. I
1: saw that a line about it, and it said that people inform her when they see one. So cool. Yeah, I want to make some of those recipes. It could be a whole recipe book. You know, a recipe is important enough to go on a headstone. I mean, what recipe would you put on yours if you had to choose
0: one? Oh gosh, this is such a hard question. Oh gosh, it would be something baked, probably, probably like a banana bread. Something that I just know in and out and feels like home. Yeah. You know, like a chocolate chip cookie. Like something that I know I do really well. And it it's... also can't have a lot of nuance because you don't want someone to remake <laughs> it and then miss something or, you know. It can't be complicated. What about you? I don't know.
1: I well, my grandma's mac and cheese is probably my favorite thing to eat in the world, but that should go on her headstone, um, which she I don't, I don't think she had one, has one at all. But do you change it up in any way? I am, no, not when I, I don't make it very often. It's Velveeta. She uses (laughs) Velveeta and regular milk and regular butter and salt and pepper and elbow macaroni. And that is not. it. It was like her ratio because it's soup. It's like what? It's like so milky. It's soup. Yeah. But there's enough cheese to like make the soup taste amazingly. <laughs> like and it'll like that. absorb
0: into the love. pasta. Oh yeah, the mac and cheese. Like she makes the best. It doesn't have to be complicated. Like good recipes just have to be delicious. It doesn't have to be like bougie or fancy ingredients. I think some of my favorite things like you know when you're sick you're not like give me a truffle risotto you know you want something that's familiar and warm and just like comforting so Mm -hmm. that's maybe what i would go for something like that my my banana bread recipe is actually my grandmother's recipe but there are a few things that i've tweaked in it not because hers was not perfect but just because i like more Mm -hmm. cinnamon or i put chocolate chips in it she's like a nut lady so um but it's one of those things where she would always put a little bit of espresso or coffee in it Mm. yeah just a little touch but it you just eyeball it so I don't know that I could ever really replicate the recipe
2: without that's so
0: interesting that sounds really good yeah I've never heard of that it makes it like darker like makes the bananas feel a little sweeter I like that and then like a little sour cream that's also key to keep it really moist oh wow I know. This isn't,
1: that's complicated it's it beautiful sense. they make they use sour cream my grandma to make kringlas and those are in Norwegian cake like little cookie okay and so that helps so much so I know that the sour cream is so is so magical with baked goods
0: it is oh, it's like so milk exciting. it just holds it in <laughs>
1: and I love tang you know the little tang that it
0: adds I love that Abby just jumped right into the sour cream. She's like, yes. Oh,
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cosine. Absolutely. Sour cream with everything. Yeah. Uh, hi. hi. Hi.
0: We are so happy to see you. I'm so happy to see you, too. I love all your plants behind you, by the way. Is that a
2: little uh, orange tree or a kumquat okay, or something? So did you guys heard about the hurricane? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Right. So yeah. during, the, during the hurricane, like, it's so weird because it was the day before any rain started this huge sycamore branch fell onto our pomegranate tree so all these beautiful like little baby pomegranates that's a pomegranate i know isn't it so cute they're little babies they're so cute they got splintered off and i just couldn't bear to throw them away so i brought them all inside
0: You never know. I feel like sometimes with things like that, they sometimes just start to root
2: again. No. it Oh, yeah. This one, it might. Yeah. It might. Yeah, because when we moved into this house, you know, almost 20 years ago, there was no pomegranate tree. They had cut it down to take photographs because it was in the way of the house. I know. <laughs> and then like, I don't know, it took about 10 years. All of a sudden we're like, what is this, you know, incredible tree making roots? Oh, my God, it's pomegranate. So anyway. It hurts my heart there so much. Yeah. So weird. But they're oh. resilient, so. Yeah.
1: The fig trees, too, you can cut them all the way down. The squirrels cut my fig tree all the way down, and then it got bigger than it was before the next season, so. Wow.
2: Yeah. I love it.
0: Well, do we want to jump in? We'll introduce you first, and then we can just, like, jump right in.
2: Okay. Thank you.
0: So today, we are welcoming Abby Wills to the show. Abby is a movement, mindfulness, and social-emotional development specialist with over two decades of training in yoga practices. She's also co-founder and program director of Shanti Generation, which provides access to yoga and mindfulness classes for teens and older children via live virtual and streaming programs. Abby is also the mother of two lively boys and lives in Southern California with her husband, Aaron, who you may know as bassist for the band 311. Welcome
2: to the show. We're so happy to have you. Thank you so much. It's so good to be here. Did I get your bio correct? Let's... Yes. <laughs> Am I missing anything
0: pertinent? Let's...
2: Oh, I'm sure it'll come up over time. <laughs> <laughs> good.
0: Good. Well, let's kick off with the question that we always ask first, and that is, what are you juggling this
2: week? Oh, my goodness. Well, because I work in the field of education, we're just starting back over the last few weeks. So this week is bananas. Um, i am planning several upcoming like webinars and presentations with colleagues Um, we're working with um, the child abuse prevention council in ventura county we're working with um, domestic violence hotline in utah in a couple of weeks i am also in the middle of a book release our my first published book is coming out right now. So there's so many different responsibilities with that. Webinars and writing and my two co-authors and I are meeting tomorrow night to celebrate, finally. (laughs) That's really exciting. Um, I don't know. There's just so many things. I am on a board at a brand new music-related nonprofit and we're meeting this weekend to get things going so we just uh, there's just so many things a lot of balls in the air but it's all good work and luckily my kids are being incredible during this first week of school and allowing it all to happen
1: can you tell us about the book that just that's coming out and congratulations
2: thank you yeah, yeah. it's been it's been a three-year process or more it might be longer maybe four at this point but it's through a non-profit publisher that's been around for like 40 years they're called the association for supervision and curriculum design and they're really you know based inside of the education system so the book is called from stressed out to stress wise how you and your students can navigate challenges and nurture vitality I have two co-authors Anjali Deva who I have a really quick, amazing story about her. I've known her since she was a teenager. Her dad was one of my yoga teachers. And now she and I are working together all the time. And um, we wrote this book together. She is an Ayurvedic practitioner. So we, we say we're weaseling Ayurveda into the you know public school system. And for those who don't know who, what Ayurveda is, it's sort of the, or it is the sister science of yoga. And it's about sleep, energy nutrition so the book and the nikki Sacaricia is the other author and she was also a previous student of mine who's just a brilliant kinesiologist and yoga therapist so it's this blend of mindfulness um connection community building you know nutrition the science of sleep it's just trying to reach out there and give teachers this big hug and help them integrate some of these very simple practical practices into their classroom on a daily basis, So sort of a year-long curriculum. And we'll see how it's embraced. You know, it's there's a lot in it, but it's very um, simple and practical. That's yeah. incredible. I don't know.
0: Teachers are looking for some sort of support system outside of what they're allotted in the classroom and alternative ways to help students who've had, I mean, it's been a really challenging five years um you know for everybody so I think that's really really important to push into schools with practices and yoga and things like that yeah Misha's kids actually go to a a really cool school it's pretty mindfulness based
1: yep whole whole student whole body and nature and outdoor and I was like oh writing this down I'll get a couple copies set it on some doorsteps
2: I would love to send you copies and anybody listening, you know, if you're a teacher and you want a copy just, you know, reach out. I'm happy to to share. And I'm so excited your kids you're, so you have one or two kids, Misha? Oh, I got three kids. Three.
1: <laughs> and I and I'm an adjunct professor, so I have feel like sometimes I have like 50 or more. But so that's amazing. It sounds wonderful. And um and we'll link it for sure. That, and congratulations. The book release is always such a thrill
2: yes yeah it is this is my first time and i'm happy that our publisher has this sort of like five month soft continuous Mm -hmm. release it's not like this big you know wham bam thing so you know anyway it's it is it's exciting and also yeah you know how it is when you work on something for a long time you put it out there it's a little nerve-wracking too (sighs) yeah Um, so besides the book and some of the other information that
1: we've um read about you, we dug up in your bio, (laughs) what is something that listeners
2: might be surprised to hear about your life? I don't know, because they don't know anything about me. So, (laughs) I mean, I don't know what listeners would be surprised about, but I can say, you know, my colleagues, if they think about, they would be surprised about, they'd be surprised, like how much I curse. (laughs) They see me as like, you know, the one who comes in and brings like the peace and the balance and the quiet, you know, I get to come in and like take people through an hour long rest and I tend to go into a zone, you know, but at home I can be a little more rambunctious, but I don't know. I mean, what, as a band wife? I don't know when I work a ton. (laughs) It sounds
0: like it. You're listing all the organizations you're working with. Like, wow. And then to write a book in the middle of that. I mean, maybe that's why you need to curse. You need that. You need (laughs) a release, you know, so you can stay peaceful.
2: Well, in our family, we consider it like the least violent way to get anger and aggression out, you know, and it's just words. (laughs) This is a question for both of you. How do you how do you find
0: the balance between like because I agree with you and I'm always like I don't mind if you go into your bedroom and close the door and scream shit you know like <laughs> I get it we're all there you have to get it out but finding when it's appropriate and when it's not teaching that kind of dichotomy any tips or tricks
1: we just I mean my kids are still so young I mean about Addy's age but I just we just say their adult words so we ask them not to use them now, and then but I obviously don't care, you know, I obviously don't care, but for that limit, so they under you know right now, so that's what I say I say they're not bad words, they're just adult words, so when you're an adult, feel free,
2: good yeah, I don't know if that's right. Uh, I just had this conversation with our almost thirteen year old um, I am actually working at his the middle school and high school together, and I'm working there this year, and I'm so excited to be at his school because I get to know what's going on and You know, I have direct access to all of his advisors and teachers and admin, everybody. So I get to know what's going on in his life, which is pretty great for um, this stage of development. Well, he was saying, you know, they don't really call us out when we curse. And I've worked in lots of high schools like that, where it's one of the things that we give. It's like one of the places where we meet them where they are so that we can ask for a lot of respect and kindness in terms of how they're relating to each other. Does that make sense? Like, I Totally. So even at their school, it's like not seen as the end of the world, you know?
0: Yeah. I, I try to say like, we're not allowed to say shut up in our home. We don't say stupid. But things, you know, just trying to find that balance between expressing yourself but not being hurtful to others. So I think that's a great, mm-hmm. that's a good tip.
2: Well, I was going to say, then I work at other schools where we're really trying to help older students build that skill of being able to know when am i in a situation where it's okay to just be like informally cursing which is one thing that's not really what we do it's more like when we're angry (laughs) but but for these older teens like we you know we're sending them out into you know interviews for internships and job interviews and we're doing mock interviews with them and we're really trying to help them learn how do you go out in the world and present yourself in a way that gets you hired and so it is about being aware of your environment and, and you know, being mindful and, you know, who am I talking to right now? And is this appropriate? It takes this whole sort of meta level of awareness that I think it's important to, to guide kids, our kids to be able to do. But the younger they are, the harder it is for them to do that.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think we're maybe we're just getting there. I could see some developmental leaps and consciousness, I guess, but slow burn. Um, and you have a, a nine-year-old as well, right?
2: Yes.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, we all. We all do. <laughs> oh,
1: oh, wow. It's tough. What an age. I have a oh. friend who teaches fourth grade and she says, I'm not trying to scare you, but
0: it's the worst. It's the worst
1: <laughs> time. And I was like, oh, no, it's fine. And then he's coming into it. And I'm like,
2: what is going yeah. on? And she's like, I told you.
0: I did
1: oh, tell you.
2: Hormones are, have just been a very big surprise for me. I think that's it. Misha is your 9-year-old the oldest?
1: No, we have a okay. 14, 9 okay. and 5. They're all about 5 years apart. So
2: Yeah, I would say our 9-year-old, oh my god, I love him so much. I love both of them so much. Somehow having a third, a becoming 13-year-old in one week makes the 9-year-old seem just so easy and like a uh, <laughs> like he still has so much baby in him. And maybe it's just him i don't know you know definitely with my first one nine was this like whirlwind of emotion oh my gosh and it hasn't stopped (laughs) oh see we didn't
1: get it with our first you just everything's so different and then but we're getting it with the middle and i'm like my husband and i are like maybe because he's the middle child maybe but i think it's just we're all everyone's on their own journey here Join us next August to discover the delicious vino of the Lisbon region on a six day journey of creative exploration, wine tasting, and visits to the vineyards and producers of the area. In Portugal, our days will be filled with creativity, culture, libation, and good company. Discover more at linktree backslash bandwives and sign up for your next big adventure today.
0: Okay. So we want to talk a little bit about your background. So you're doing all these amazing things. Uh, obviously you've had 20 plus years doing this practice and tell us a little bit about your background and then three things that you're proud of, past, present, future, all in one. <laughs> it's a lot.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, I would say the yoga, meditation, um, has been like a really central part of my life since I was a teenager. I grew up in Louisiana, and when I graduated high school, I couldn't leave fast enough. <laughs> I really just needed another like pond to swim in for so many reasons. Um, so I went far away to Alabama <laughs> for a couple of years and, and went to university there and that's when I st- just I was taking philosophy and communication and theater, just like I had no idea what I wanted to do, but I knew what I was interested in. And in philosophy classes, I found Eastern religion, philosophy, culture, and that was it. I was like, oh, OK, this is how I see the world, like the cosmologies of Buddhism and Hinduism and Taoism and Jainism and you know, all of these Eastern. Um, some of them are religion. Some of them are more like uh ways of being, ontologies, epistemologies, however you want to look at it, Um, I just found myself in there. And I had not connected to the Western sort of religions and ways of seeing the world. Um, So that was it. I just sort of got on that train and I moved to LA, um, there was some guy that I was definitely hoping to <laughs> continue a relationship with here, um, you know, and now we have two kids and a life together for 30 years, <laughs> but also because I was pursuing just, more, you know, teachers, there weren't a lot of, there were no yoga teachers in Alabama at that time. So yeah, and then fast forward, yeah, you know, I just, so then I took as many trainings and Went to India when I was 22 years old, four cell phones. I didn't have like, you know, there were no reservations. It was just you go and figure it out, you know. <laughs> uh, I did have a reservation at an ashram and spent, you know, a few months there learning and just diving into the culture. And and then, it's, so I kept going with that. And I was teaching a lot around Los Angeles. This was like before Madonna's Rolling Stone cover with the henna. <laughs> <laughs> so it was kind of before yoga became this like white woman practice you know like white women sort of took over the practice at some point and created this studio system that I just I was allergic to it was before that and then once that started happening I was like ah, I can't really do this this is not this is not honoring the roots of the practice it's not Embracing the you know the wholeness of what this practice can be, it just became this like thing about getting a yoga. Um, so I kind of I definitely pulled away from sort of the yoga studio world then, and that's when I really started working more with schools, bringing you know yoga mindfulness into public schools. And then I realized I just had sort of this gap of knowledge. I needed to understand more about how the school systems work. So. I went to uh, a college here in Pasadena, California, called Pacific Oaks. That was a really seminal experience for me. I spent about six years there studying human development and social change theory. That's where I learned a lot about all the isms, right? Sexism, classism, racism, ableism, all of these different sort of social constructs that we've built around our species that create hierarchies of power. And so Over time, like I've really married those two sort of big um, domains of contemplative practice, including yoga and then social change and human development. So the work that I do now is more about, you know, like I have a class at a school called Wonder Wisdom Vision Lab. And so it's all about like where's our sense of wonder and awe and how can we apply that to a vision for change? Like what do we really care about? How can we create more of that in the world? Or what's getting in the way of collective and community care how can we change that so it's 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 not just like we don't get on a mat and do a flow of yoga a lot of people have that idea it's not at all what we do it's really about you know what's what kind of world do we want to live in and how can we each contribute in 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 some small way to that so i mean that was a lot but i think and i think about the past I think I'm if I'm proud of anything is just being open minded, you know, and staying open to what's happening and how I can contribute in some little tiny way. Um, present, my kids are kind people, I'm proud of that. And future, I don't know. I don't even know how to answer that. How do you answer that question?
0: <laughs> Your book serves the future, too. Impact.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things I'm excited about about the future is I have a collaborative of colleagues who are working like slowly over time. This is not like an imminent project because everybody has so much going on, but we're working slowly over time to create more resources that are more readily available to educators. Like right now, you have to go through trainings and you know spend all of your extra time getting certified to access certain information that is shouldn't be gate kept you know so things like meditation and some of the tools that we have in our book but even reading a book you know like it's a lot for teachers they're overwhelmed and so we are creating resources that you can turn you can put, plug it into your google classroom or whatever internal content management system your school uses and just press play and sort of have this experience alongside your students where we have all of these experts and really inspiring um, educators from yoga and social change who are guiding this process so that we can you know have a little more inspiration and and um, connection and access inside of classrooms so that's going to be really fun it's just it's a long-term project
1: beautiful that's amazing all that was so so interesting and inspiring and what a journey from you know I loved your discussion on the transition of what you wanted yoga to be or what you understood it to be to what it was becoming and how you were able to step out of that in your integrity and I feel like that's really inspiring and I appreciate that
2: yeah if I can I'd love to plug a podcast I'm not on it I have nothing to do with it but um I think it's a great one for for people who that message might resonate with. People who say, yeah, you know, I wanna, I wanna practice yoga, but I go into these studios and it's like this hour and a half thing where you go, you know, it's just devoid of, sometimes of like the beauty and like juice and depth that yoga can provide. This podcast is called Yoga Is Dead. And it's just about six or seven episodes. It was recorded a few years ago and it really breaks down sort of what happened um, and how South Asian women in particular are taking back, they're like reclaiming yoga and calling out how we built these structures and systems in the West that have like squelched yoga and other, you know, yogic practices of their, of their true meaning and benefit. So yoga is dead. That sounds great.
1: Um, all right, so this is a good one for the reason we're all here is the, the the band wives out there. What advice do you have for other band wives or spouses, whether it's tips, tricks, or psychological encouragement? So how long have you two been together?
2: Yeah, so we met in '93 at a show in Baton Rouge. And then For three years, like he lived in LA, I lived in Alabama, and then I moved here, and like six months later, we moved in together. So we've known each other since 93, and we, I I don't know, it's been like 27 years or something. It's crazy. So long. I know. (sighs) I mean, we've been married for 20 years, yeah. Amazing. So
1: you must have some wonderful advice for all of us.
2: Oh my gosh. Oh, I would say as far as like yourself, you know, ourselves, first of all, I think your title is so brilliant because it's like I always said to my friends, I'm like, you're not just married to one person, you're married to the whole. <laughs> <of them." laughs> and other people may have said that already. I hope I'm not repeating, but that's what it feels like. I mean, I, I don't know if other people feel this way about their spouse's work. But, I, you know, when you have a touring band member, their schedule dictates so much, you know, and just the band itself dictates where we can live. Like, we'd love to live overseas, but I just can't imagine him having to be away longer. So, like, being at, you know, having to come to L.A. to record and that kind of stuff. But <clears throat> I would say, you know, one of the things I do when he's on the road that really helps me so much is, like, taking time for myself. Um like I, we have a caregiver who we kind of regularly have for date nights and i like keep that going while he's gone so i can either go out with girlfriends or more more often than not i just go by myself because i love like going to a restaurant eating alone or just going for a long hike on my own just keeping time because i th- i know one of the things that's crazy when they leave is all of a sudden everything about the household is on us everything they do now we have to do and Luckily, the kids are getting older, so they can do more. But I also don't want them to feel like they're stepping into dad's role when he leaves. I know that can be very, very dangerous. That actually happened to my dad as a young as a young person, and it didn't fare well for him. You know, it created a lot of problems in his life because he had to become dad too early. So I'm very, I'm very aware of that. Um, so, like you know, calling on friends and family to help. You know, when when your spouse is gone for months at a time, if you're in the military, right, if you're gonna have a support system, I think we need the same support system um, just because, you know, our guys are out having so much fun. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, they're not. They're actually not. (laughs) Long time ago, yes, but not anymore. Um, I think in terms of the relationship is like keeping, asking, like I just discovered recently that Aaron, ha- you know, it's really hard for him when he texts me and I just won't respond because I'm in the car <laughs> driving 10 different places, like literally, like I'm driving between four different workplaces in one day, two different schools, other people's kids are in the car. Like I'm that mom who I'm like, yep, send me your kids. I'll take yeah. eight kids for a sleepover. <laughs> I can do that. I love doing that. I love it. And so when he's gone, I'm just in this zone of like caregiving. And I, I assume like his needs are being met, but he told me, he's like, it really hurts when you don't. And I thought, oh my God, I'm so, so sorry. sorry. <laughs> and so this last time, you know, last few times he's gone out, I've been really aware of, I've even like pulled over on the side of the road to, to text him back to be like, I'm here. Like, you're always on my mind. You're always in my heart. And if this little thing means so much to you, I'm just so glad to know that. Because honestly, like it, text means nothing to me. It's, it's, just a, it's just a way to get things done. I don't feel like warmth from text, but <laughs> now that I know. So anyway, I just think like checking in all the time, like what's working for you, what do you need? I mean, for him, it's probably too much checking in, but he's learned over time that that's what I need. It's like, I need those check-ins. Um, yeah, there's a couple of things.
0: That's so funny you say that because I, I'm like the one word texter only with my husband because I'm like, I'm going to talk to you, but you know, I'll talk to you like later tonight. I'll talk to you in the morning, whatever. And he'll get, he'll start to spiral and think like something terrible has happened. And he'll start to, he figured out how to intercom all of the Apple homes around the house. And so I'll be like, (laughs) you know, doing a thing and I hear him, hello, it's me, (laughs) text me back everywhere it's terrifying but that's sweet it's also shocking how after what 27 30 years like there are still things about your partner that are surprising things that weren't important become important and it is so important to check in because you just sometimes you don't know the person who's been next to you because they're changing at the same time that you are and settling into these different roles and it's just always always a process
2: Listen, I think I have a few years on y'all. Everything starts to change. I mean, for me as a 48-year-old woman, oh my God, everything is changing. Like I am not the same person for sure that I was when I met him at 18 years old. And so that kind of like, I think, pushes the conversations. I'm like, I need you to know that in so many ways, what may have worked, is isn't working anymore. Mm-hmm. And so if we don't discuss those things and we don't put, put that on the table our relationship will deteriorate, you know, I, sure. I I can definitely see that. And so I, I know there's certain people who are able to just stay married and just make it work and be miserable <laughs> <laughs> because, because they're, whatever, it's a religious thing or I don't know, like some kind of social convention, but I, I don't have that in me. Like I am not willing to be miserable. And so mm-hmm. that means that we have to constantly work on our relationship. And like I see... Your photos, Chandra, like in Paris. You guys are all like, so like meltingly romantic. And like we're not really like that. But like <laughs> maybe, maybe we could, you know, like maybe we could find that. Like I think you never stop trying to find each other and to like feed that fire. You know, like yeah. you just gotta keep trying or it will just it will just like dissolve, you know? Hell yeah. For sure.
0: You know, it ebbs and flows, too. It's like one of the things that's always been really important to me. I also met my husband when I was 18, like almost 19. And we've been together like, you know, 20 years married. We were just trying to figure it out. We're already forgetting. I'm like, is it 14 (laughs) this year? You know, Um, when you meet somebody when you're in college and you're a child, of course you're going to change. Like I'm listening to you talk about all of these projects you have in this drive and Um, And that's one of the big things that I think that's changed with me personally a lot is this ambition that maybe, I mean, I think has always been there, but it wasn't directed at anything when you're like a kid. And so you kind of are able to just like focus on them and their careers because that's paying the bills. That's like the important thing then. And then you start to gain momentum and prioritize some of that stuff too. And that's what I think really will keep that relationship strong. Because that's like, you're bringing this new enthusiasm in all the time. And so, you know, going to Paris, right? Like taking a trip, reigniting that, just having those moments together is really important to me because I don't want to be roommates, you know? Like I want to have a relationship with somebody and like be playful and have fun. And that message of just always being like, hey, this is my expectation. I'm checking in. That stuff's important. And it's so easy to put it
2: at the bottom of the to-do list because that's your person and they're always there and well you both have a ton going on too I mean you adjunct professor you have a podcast you I mean I know Chandra you do all this art direction and I think like that's something I forget like I wouldn't have even said that because it's so much who I am but I think you have to have your own life you know yeah and I like really truly honor and respect um women who choose to you know be Full-time mom. That can be your whole life. Like that, that's what you decide to do, you know, and that's what feels like I have a girlfriend who she is this the best mom. Like she, you go in her house, she's got a whole apothecary, like every piece of medicine is she's made and grown with her hands. And she's active at school and like she has made her child her life. And now he's about to graduate high school or soon. And She's like, what is next for me? Like, and and she's in this space of curiosity and discovery. And that's totally beautiful too. I think if you decide that, but the thing I would say is like, never let your, your spouse's career sort of take you over. You know, I think it's, it's great. Like if you ha- if you're married to someone who's financially successful and they're doing what they love, let that be your sort of, you know, support to find that thing that that really turns you on and lights you up, you know. But I, I really can't imagine being home with my kids when he's gone if he were if he was all that I had going on. That would be terrible. That would just feel so lonely, you know?
0: Yeah. yeah. I think motherhood can be a similar thing. I feel that it is for me anyway, where it's like motherhood is not all consuming for me. It's almost like It's inspiring me to find out more about who I am while I'm guiding, ushering this human into his life and through his life. But we're learning very much together um, instead of feeling like, oh, no, I am the end all for you. Like, I know I'm not the end all for him and neither is my husband. He's just we're guests in his life. And and like you, I think there's so much to be learned from your kids about who you are and from your spouse. You're just reflecting each other all the time. So um we hear that advice a lot in fact from a lot of mental health professionals that we've had on the show that's kind of the go-to is like always have your own thing um this is our big one that we like to throw out um what do you know to be true about yourself
2: the world and the universe this is such an interesting question and like as someone who i kind of think through a philosophical lens it's such a hard question to answer because like what do you know about yourself well what does that mean I mean to be to know something about yourself is to be aware of yourself you know I'm aware that I don't have like some separate self that's separate from you you know and anybody else it's just sort of this concept that we've created there's a lot of research right now there's this one um uh neuroscience researcher Dr. Daniel Siegel who you may know he's written a bunch of parenting books he's at UCLA he's a psychiatrist and he's finally like right on the precipice of being able to prove with hard science like you can't find a self we can't find that self that we all are trying to locate like we have identity right we have like all of our our identifiers and our personalities but like what do I know about myself it's just like we're all this one big self and we need to care for each other that's that's one thing i know is if i know if i know something is that we need to take better care of each other that's what i know about myself and that's what drives me is like i really care right like i really care about the i guess just the survival of our species and i feel like we're not really centering that like we're really distracted by things that are not going to help us survive that are actually contributing to our demise like so many things if you look at instagram like who cares right yeah so that's what i know about myself is i'm really concerned about where our attention is going right now
1: where do you think our attention should go you know besides caring for each other you know like as far as like what's extraneous on Instagram, what are those things that we're giving attention to that we shouldn't and what should we be putting more attention on? Just And and for you, we see what you're doing, but like maybe everyone out there.
2: I feel like, you know, I asked my nine-year-old Clay to help me sort of name this class that I was designing for adolescents. And he I showed him like the design of the class and he's like, I think you should call it octopus because really what you're doing is, you know, you're, you have this hub But the idea is that everybody's really looking for their own way to contribute towards collective well-being, and so I don't really know what the one. I think there's so many things. Obviously, climate. You know, I mean, if we don't, if we, if we live on an uninhabitable, we can't live on an uninhabitable planet. Like that's so baseline for me, and I know that it's been politicized, but you know, I mean, we can kind of look around, we can feel the heat. And whether it's you know caused by humans or not, we have the technology, the wisdom, the knowledge, the tools to bring down the heat. But we can't do that if we don't all agree that we want to do that, because we'll keep having these like hegemonic forces pushing up against every single step forward. So I would say everybody's got to find their own way, but there's, there's one philosopher that I really, Guided by right now, his name's Bayo Akamalafe. He's of the Yoruba tradition, he's from Africa but lives in India. And he says, like, One of the things that we need to do in order to find our way is to first get lost. And that resonates with me so deeply because we have, like, let's say Instagram, and I know we're using Instagram as a tool, right? We're using it as a tool to reach people to express ourselves, and there's nothing wrong with that, but we if we just think about the iPhone as sort of a metaphor, we have all these different apps that keep pulling our attention, pulling our attention, pulling our attention. There's no time to sort of be reflective and, and sort of hear something beyond what branded companies want us to know. I mean, just I would say for me, it's like I have to be in nature every day, even if it's just going to some little park and just sitting there and being able to remember that I'm a part of this earth. I'm not... The earth is not an extension of me. I'm an extension of the earth. And I think that if we can reconnect with our, like the reality, right, that we are not separate, the reality that we are part of something that you can't see humans from the moon, if we can reconnect with this bigger picture that we're a part of, then we'll inherently know one by one what it is that we're each, that we're each, um, Able to do where our purpose is. So, I and, and as far as like, you know, deconstructing, like, what can we pull our attention away? I got to say right now, and this is funny because like we have, we have, you know, spouses who are, you know, sort of known and whatever, but celebrity culture trusts me up the wall. Like, this focus on like who's eating what and who's wearing what and blah, I just feel like is such a waste of our precious resource of awareness and attention and I am a person who gets sucked into that you know like I can easily get sucked into oh she's so beautiful and thin like what is she maybe if I eat that I can lose 20 pounds too well like okay (laughs) no that's not gonna happen that's not how this works but I so but I feel like you know our attention is always being compete. like people are competing for our attention I think we need to see that and decide where we really want to where we each as individuals want to place our attention Great sorry advice. i just stopped. No, that's it. good
1: <laughs> no but that's what this is for so you're doing the right thing
0: <laughs> it's very hard it's very hard to pull yourself away sometimes like misha and i were talking a few episodes ago about the parasocial phenomenon of just feeling connected to celebrities and like your brain, you know, we're always in a battle with our brains and, and the wealth of information that's available to us that we are just not equipped to handle yet. Like our brains have not evolved to be able to figure out what is a priority and what's not. Um, I definitely get locked in the cycle of the scroll and, you know, the monotony.
2: And seriously, imagine if you had that when you were 13 years old, when oh, your you know we when didn't. your brain your brain is developing and you're deciding where like literally what what you focus on is how the brain organizes right like we know that we know that's the case and what you know our brain only has so much real estate right and so what are we dedicating that real estate to and I look at my own kids and I, you know the negativity bias is real like we're looking for the thing that. You know, is interesting because it's bad, or interesting because it's like divisive, or something like that. And our brains are just tuned to do that for survival. So I'm very concerned about adolescents right now and how their brains are developing when they're when they're caught in these constant in this constant scrolling and how these algorithms are evidently set up to, to feed them the thing that they don't really want to look at, but it's like a car wreck. You can't look away. Mm -hmm. You know, like I've had, I have a friend who who understands Like he's really, um, on the cutting edge of technology and social media and everything. He understands like how these algorithms are built. He's like, it's not the thing that you are really interested in that keeps being fed to you. It's the thing that's the most sensational because they know that's where you're gonna get that dopamine release, that's where you're gonna keep coming back for. And I think that is evil and that it's not okay that we're doing this to our kids. It's addictive and so I'm very concerned about this generation and hopeful because I'm seeing groups of teens and adolescent youth who are saying, yeah, we don't want that anymore. We see what it's doing. And they're sort of leading movements to put their phones away and, Mm -hmm. you know, dismiss the social media
1: yeah it's hard adam and i are doing our part to keep our (laughs) we have like such strict rules and boundaries and my kids swear that we're the only parents in the world who could possibly have such rules around tech and phone and but it's always good to have these kind of conversations and to hear it again and just be like no it's not what you need right now and that's my job to stop it because it does feel like there's hardly any benefits for the for the the age that they're at
2: yeah, well, I'll be very real with you guys. I smashed an iPad a couple of weeks ago.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> I threw it on the ground and smashed it. That makes um, me feel so – I have swiped that iPad aggressively so many times. That makes me feel like,
2: oh, wow, I must not be so crazy. Yeah, there was just this moment where um, I'm not going to out my kid on what he did. <laughs> it wasn't that bad, but I just knew. I saw it building, you know, where – um, our nine year old was just constantly wanting it. Mm-hmm. And it be- started becoming like all he wanted. And I was like, you know, e- I don't have the capacity in my life to constantly be managing you in this. Yes. I, this is, ta- this is sucking me dry. It's I, interfering with our relationship. Yep. So, you know what? It's gone. It's in the garbage and we're going to figure it out now. And I got some looks. <laughs> <laughs> From Yeah, I mean, it was Aaron's old iPad. Luckily, it already had like some cracks in it. But honestly, it's been a couple of weeks. And I, I have to say, like, I see this change in him. Yeah, he still watches TV and he plays video games on the whatever, PS whatever. Um, I don't even know how to turn our TV on, by the way. <laughs> because it takes like it. seven remotes. <laughs> he still has that access, but it's this big thing where he's not sitting like this. Yeah. It's
1: with other people uh, in the room. Yeah. Shared experiences at least.
2: That's how I feel about the TV too. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. And I currently have my older son's keyboard for a week in my, in our room because, you know, we had a situation where they weren't being kind to each other. I'm like, you know what? I, I hear what you're watching. Like I hear, and it's not that it's, totally unkind or violent or anything it's just i don't know what to say it's just it's this way of this way of relating that i see with these certain like videos that he watches and things that are not what i desire for him and as long as i'm still the one who's guiding them i definitely use media you know as consequences because that's what they care about
1: yeah we have like none during the week at all and my kids just think that we are out of the, off the planet, like out of, but it's just like, I, you just feel it. And, and the fact that they're so addicted, Chandra and I've talked about this a lot. Cause it's like, how do you like be their dealer? You just to so be their
0: dealer. They're so addicted. That's the hard thing too. I'm not modeling good behavior, being
2: on my phone or
0: computer, but you have to be It's so hard.
2: It's true. And my, our kids call us out on it and I, I'll show them. I'm like, I am working. You know, I am, I am here answering this email or sending this thing in or meeting this deadline so I can still be in this space with you. I don't have to go close myself off or go to some office. And if it, you know if it's really a problem for you, we can talk about it. But usually when they realize like, oh, I'm not just on here having fun. I'm just mm-hmm. making, you know, like this is part of my job or whatever. But I think it is a huge issue that none of us really know. But- oh. And
0: the social media, like I can't even imagine what that must be like. We're not in that phase of our lives with him at all. He's not interested. But God, I cannot imagine when they start to want that. We're not either.
1: No. I think we're just like 18. Like, okay, when you when you're an adult, we just can't abide. It's too no, dangerous. I can't
0: babysit it. I can't like be checking your messages and there's so many weirdos in the world, but there's also just so much cruelty between kids. And like, I don't know, just it's not
2: good. Comparisons and bad things. <laughs> problem and we have to be so careful with our kids. I have, my friend who works in tech, he said, listen, letting your kid even get on the internet unsupervised is like dropping them off downtown with no shoes and no money and just leaving them there. Ugh. Oh my God. Well
0: off to smash an iPad. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Wait, did we get the world or the universe? We're all one. We are one.
2: We're not we're, separate. We're not separate, but we are not the same. We are very diverse, and I think if there's one thing I know about the world is the world is incredibly diverse. And I think that you know trying to homogenize things and make everybody learn the same thing at the same time, and you know learn the same thing in the same way. I don't know. That's two different ways of saying the same thing. Um, trying to make everybody you know just homogenizing everything and like you know I think about white supremacy and I think about. Racism and how, like, we've created all these systems that give certain people more power than others. And yeah, I think the world is really hurting. I know the world is really hurting and suffering, and that that's in some way just a part of being here, but we can minimize it. And I think that I think the beauty of the world is the diversity. And look at all the different species. And like, I every day just am in awe of plants and flowers, like, it just stops me in my tracks. So beautiful. It's the same with people. The world is full of beautiful different people and if we can honor that and and respect it that the world can be less painful for all of us, I guess. The universe, I don't know. The universe is just a mystery. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think it's all about for me it's about diving into the mystery. I just I can't even wrap my head around like how big this universe is. But then again, maybe it's Grain of sand. The known universe might be a grain of sand. It might be even bigger than that. You know, I I show this video to my high school students. It's by Tom Chi. He's a Taiwanese astrophysicist. You gotta look it up. It's called Everything is Connected. You look, look up Tom Chi and it's like his TED talk. And he talks about like how we couldn't be here if it weren't for billions of years ago, these cyanobacteria, billions of them, like creating, they're like algae creating oxygen, you know, like that blows my mind. Like it's mind blowing to think that we, we couldn't, we wouldn't have oxygen and the ability to breathe if these little bacteria didn't exist millions of years ago. And like our breath, like what, just take a deep breath and like, remember that like the outside is coming in and then the inside is coming out. Like it's just the mysteries of life to me are mind blowing. And that's what I feel like would be great if we were a little bit better able to dive into the mysteries of the universe with kids and schools so that we could be in awe that we are on a little marble, (laughs) like flying through space, you know, I don't, yeah, it's some, for me, it's not what I know. It's like what I don't know that it's really inspiring to me. Perfect. Lovely.
1: Yeah, we have a lot of great answers. And this was another one. And I love the idea that it could be so tiny or so big. One, one of my favorite answers with the was the universe is creepy. <laughs> and I still like laugh about that. But I, I think that it's yeah, you make some really beautiful points. And now we're going to move on to a much lighthearted, much more lighthearted, <laughs> easier questions. These are our rapid fire questions. And so our first one is we just want to know what you are binge watching, reading or
2: listening to right now. Okay. I don't watch a lot of TV, but I did love Succession. And I think I watched the whole thing three times. I just thought it was great. Mm-hmm. I love Ezra Klein's podcast, the New York Times opinion reporter. I listen to it every, well, it's only once a week now. Um, There's another podcast called Into the Wild, which is fantastic. I binged that one. And I'm one of those people who reads like five books at one time because I, I have to digest them. So I like read a chapter and then I need to digest it for like a month. But my favorite book right now is called Hospicing Modernity. It's by Vanessa Macado de Oliveira. She's a professor at um, uh, University of British Columbia. And it is blowing my mind. It's just all the things we're talking about, but like, how do we actually move into a different way of being in this world? And poetry. I read a ton of poetry. Who do you read? Whose poetry do you read? I, um, right now, I've just recently picked up Ada Limon. Oh,
1: I love her. I've seen her speak three times. Uh, She's (sighs) so beautiful. Her voice, her speaking voice, too.
2: Oh, I haven't heard her speaking voice. Yeah,
1: she does a podcast called The Slowdown, I believe. And it's her reading poems. She's a performer. It's amazing.
2: Oh, I'm definitely going to have to. That's that's my next thing. I still love all the beat poets like Allen Ginsberg and, you know, Ferlinghetti, Bukowski, Kerouac, all of those guys. I always end up going back to them. But recently, Jane Hirschfield. Who else? Ocean Wong.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Beautiful.
2: Yeah. I mean, I just haven't really met a poet that I don't like. Unless, well, some of the older (laughs) crustier. Yeah. (laughs) Um,
1: Beautiful. Great recommendations for sure.
2: Wait, did y'all read? Did y'all listen to the retrievals? Mm -mm. Oh, my gosh. It's a New York Times podcast. You got to look it up. It's about women who are getting their eggs retrieved. For I guess IVF, and the nurse replaced the fentanyl with saline. Oh my god, it is something at Yale, Yale Medical School. It's that's one I binged for real.
0: Wait, I have so so they did it without any pain medicine.
2: Yeah. Yeah, like on
0: purpose. She
2: did. This woman was sadly an addict and she was taking the fentanyl because she needed it. Oh my God. And this went on for years. This went on for years until finally it just. And, and the thing about it is like the doctors didn't believe the women that they were in utter, and they felt everything. So okay. was that's really. no good. surprise
0: though. But yeah. 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 That's a whole other. That's like a full podcast weekend. <laughs> yeah. Whoa, that is crazy. No, I haven't heard of that. Speaking of listening, what would your theme song be? I really tried to think of something
2: funny. That's so hard. <laughs> but there's just there's this one song that I have to say has been like my song for so long, and it's Fiona Apple's version of Across the Universe. You heard it. Love. It's from a movie. I can only imagine. She's so magical. She's so magical. And on 9-11, Aaron was on tour and I had to like drive across Los Angeles to go teach a yoga class to three and four-year-olds. And I was just like, how do I do this? What do they know? I just, I, I didn't know how to do it. And that song was on the cassette in my car and I just kept rewinding it. And it like for an hour, I just kept listening to it over and over. And it became like my grounding force. Because you remember, right? Like y'all were so young, but that day was just, so that's, that's always my song. It's like a, it's like a balm and a medicine to me. It's so beautiful. And have y'all said yours over and over again on the podcast?
1: Mine is fluid. I think mine was a Fleetwood Mac song. <laughs> Shani, do you remember yours?
0: I think mine was wildflower. Oh, yeah. yeah. But in, in any given day.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I've heard so many good answers too. And I'm like, the circus theme song really Really resonated with me. (laughs) Yeah. And then we were like thinking about like, I was thinking about like X-Files theme song because that would be a good life theme song for me now and all our alien discussion and all the (laughs) news of the (laughs) world's. all right here's our last question it's been such a pleasure talking to you and we really appreciate you joining us and it flew by this whole conversation so now we're on our last question we barely even talked about bandwife stuff i feel like in this interview which is great yeah it's perfect but one small thing or guilty pleasure that you look forward to when aaron is on the road
2: oh <sighs> I bet people have had such good answers to this. And, like, okay, here's my real answer. Like, I don't think any pleasure should ever be guilty. You should just like dive into your pleasure. And honestly, I have the stupidest, boring, oh, wait, sorry, boring, <laughs> boringest answer. It's my funny. son's running upstairs right now. <laughs> sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> you know what it is? It's like, I'm not a coffee drinker. I drink tea. And he has this massive coffee setup. He's like a pour over guy. So there's like, this and there's the tea kettle and there's this like giant uh thermal thing that he puts it all in and, he goes, and then he drinks honey's honey he's so like all this honey and like this i put all of that away and i have like this whole counter space that's just empty and it's it's just something about it that just makes me feel like oh, okay i can breathe more and as soon as he gets home i like put it all out again i oh, don't know that's my that's my little thing Other than that, I just feel like, why wait to be, have pleasure when they're gone? I don't know. What is it for y'all? Have you answered that one a hundred times? Mine was the same because I take
1: Adam was joking. He was like, it's probably because they they answer it for us, Adam and Claudio one time. And Adam was like, did you answer to take our long baths? And I was like, yes, I did. But I also do it when he's home. So it's just like I do it without him noticing. (laughs) I've been
0: in the bath for an hour and a half.
1: That was mine for sure.
0: Yeah. Claudio seconded that one, but also said that I like to collect delivery boxes. (laughs) (laughs) They show up is the day he leaves all the boxes. The second he leaves, I'll order like so much crap. But I also that's also one of mine too is I like the visual clean space. Like I want it to be just organized. And so one less person in the house is less stuff getting kind of like moved around. So I I deeply understand the (laughs) free counter space. Um I love your cat just busting into
1: I know. Be very happy. Oh, it's a Maine Coon.
2: Oh I love it. That looks so much like a cat I had growing up. Oh, that's Baba, and he he just had to Aww. say hello to y'all. Oh, I
0: love oh, it, Baba.
2: Beautiful.
0: Um, I want to hang out. By the way,
2: yes, <laughs>
0: we need can to we? do something where hopefully we'll be there in October for the show. So if you guys can come out, I would. I don't know if Aaron's home or not, but um, even if you want to come alone.
2: I really want to bring the kids, you you know, I mean, I I don't, I think I shared with you through a DM and Instagram that when, when our 13 year old, almost 13 year old was like three to six. I mean, Claudio was like his, his everything. (laughs) I have so many videos of him (laughs) lip syncing and playing guitar. And And then I brought him to like his first haircut and he had like this, this has this curly hair and you know, it takes a long time for curly hair to get long. Mm-hmm. But so I brought him to a haircut because it was getting a little bit long. And he said, I want it cut like Claudio. <laughs> he didn't understand that he couldn't get it cut like that. You know? <laughs> That's just how you know? nature's Aww. gift. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like yeah. We would love, 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 love to have you all. My older one has just discovered in the past year because you know, there was that COVID time where they couldn't go to shows. And honestly, they didn't go to a lot of shows because they both go to bed really early. Mm, yeah. So that They missed that as younger kids. But my older one just recently went to a show in L.A. And for the first time, he was like, oh, OK, I can go wherever I want to go. This is great. I can bring a friend and watch the show from the soundboard or the you know backstage and for the first time he was like oh this is cool <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. before he was just like what is this? he didn't get it you know but he got it and i am glad because now he has a better understanding of what dad's doing you know mm-hmm.
0: yeah yeah, yeah definitely awesome. yeah. well we look forward to it hopefully you guys can make it and he can go wherever he wants <laughs> <laughs> all access anywhere yeah
2: thank you so much for making time for us Appreciate it. Yes, yeah, thank great. you too. And now I want to interview both of you so I can learn oh. more about your life and where you come from and what you do. And I might reach out to you for that. Yeah, you know, I, re- I love what you're doing and how you're, you know, you're bringing together so many different strands, and um, it's inspiring. So thank you so much for having me. Happy. Oh, thank you.
0: All right. We'll talk soon. Bye. Bye.